Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and today I get to head out to Mississauga, Ontario, and I get to interview Dr. Peter Amlinger, who um, I've heard of for many, many years, and I only just recently met him probably about two or three years back at a wave, uh, at the wave, I think we kind of ran, ran into each other. Um, Dr. Peter Amlinger, he graduated from CMCC in 1985, and he's been practicing in Mississauga ever since. Um, and it, we'll get into the rest of the story, but he's done tons of stuff. So he's been like on the college and regulatory. He's been to DE and speaking at DE and he travels all around the world and he helps inspires, uh, inspire chiropractors all over the place. Very vitalistic. And uh, I know his message is going to help a lot of us who are driving to work in our car, listening to this podcast, get us jacked up for the day. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Peter. Thanks for having me, Don. It's a pleasure. That's great. So it's so funny because like we've heard of you for so long and then it was just great to actually, I think we just bumped into each other at the uh, airport, wasn't it? <laughs> I think it was the airport. Yeah. And um, I, I, if I remember correctly, it was the airport and then Brandy had to sub in for somebody because somebody couldn't make the meeting. Yes. And, um, and, and, uh, and so I heard her speak. She spoke before me I believe and she she gave a fantastic talk and so that kind of inspired me and and uh and then we got together after my talk and spent some time together and realized we had a whole bunch of common yeah it's, it's so usual at all yeah I know and then there's you always see all the connections all over the world so this is a it's a tight-knit community and so it's nice to kind of connect out and of course uh Brandy's coming to speak at Pure Powerful here first weekend in November so uh this podcast will come out probably the Wednesday right before that seminar so Super. so if people haven't registered I don't know if you're already sold out we're close but we haven't so people have time and yeah. uh and we always do and it's a it's a beautiful event and uh we're really excited to have Brandy there because, A, we like to have female energy on the platform. Um, if you believe in male-female energy, I'm not sure that I do, but that's another discussion. <laughs> I, believe in, I believe in unconditional love, which doesn't know gender. But um, right. um, but um, we have a lot of CAs that come to the program, so we're really excited for Brandy to uh, be able to stand up and share as a CA as well. And we, we need more CAs doing what Brandy's doing. That's great. Well, I always like to start off now, you know, at this point in your career, how long have you been in practicing? I, so I graduated in 1985 and a week ago today, so what are we, the 12th, October 5th of 1985 was the day I hung out my shingle and opened the doors to my practice. So I'm in the same office building, uh, serving for 33 years and one week. Exactly. And one week. Well, happy anniversary, 33 years in one week. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so how, how did this all start in the first place? How did, how did Dr. Peter get into chiropractic in the first place? Well, that's a great question. And I, was, uh, I grew up in a small town in, in Ontario called Kitchener, and I was in an all-boys Catholic high school. And it was the end of grade 11. And um, I, w I wasn't the most centered and focused individual, you could say. I'm going to leave it at that. But I... <laughs> I, and I and I thought that I might, you know, want to be a teacher, and that I would teach 
uh, phys ed and French because I was good at French and, you know, I love sports. And, and so I happened to be in the guide's office for various reasons at the end of, end of the school year. And uh, they were having a meeting about me. And anyway, I just happened to pick up a book and it was the CMCC course calendar. And I read the definition of chiropractic and something inside me said, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. And I remember it as if it was yesterday. And I said, okay. And in that moment, I decided I didn't know what chiropractic was. Nobody in my family had ever been to a chiropractor. Uh, my sister was a nurse. We were a medical model family. Um, and uh, I was going to be a chiropractor. And, uh, and, and the priests came out of the meeting and I had a chat with them and committed to turning a new leaf. And, um, and that was it. And I went home. I remember it was a Wednesday. And I went home and told my mom and she didn't say anything. And on Friday I came home. And my mom got back from the hairdressers and she said, you know, I was talking to the ladies at the salon and uh, why don't you be an optometrist instead? <laughs> and, and, and the reason I came to find out later on, the reason that comment was made was because there's a female chiropractor who got her hair done at the same salon and she was just a miserable human being. She was negative. She was mean. She wasn't social. Um, and nobody liked her. And because of that, they had a negative opinion of chiropractic. Oh, wow. And I, I guess there must have been a pleasant, you know, positive optometrist that came in to get their hair done. And so that was, a, at any rate, it was perfect. You know, innate was on the job because my personality was such at the time that that sort of resistance just galvanized me. It's like, nope, I'm going to be a chiropractor. So I I went to university, you know, got through grade 12 and grade 13. Everything shifted. Like I went from a mediocre student to a straight A student, got into university, got into chiropractic college after two years because you could then. And um, it wasn't until I was preparing for my interview at CMCC and I thought, you know what, they're probably going to ask me if I've ever been to a chiropractor and I should probably be able to say yes. <laughs> so I found one and you know, the way I did it was I, I got out the yellow pages, which existed in those days. And I went, who's closest to the school? Cause I really need it to be convenient. And, and I found a guy and he was a really good guy. He wasn't, he wasn't a straight chiropractor, but he, he wasn't a rank mixer either. He was sort of somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And um, I went into his office and said, listen, I'm going to be a chiropractor and, and I want to get checked and whatever that means. And so he did a health history and I didn't have back problems. But, but you know, what I did have back then was a headache every day of my life. And, and I would literally come home from school, take two aspirin and sleep for an hour or two every day of my life because I had this massive headache. I had um, a chronic knee problem that, you know, I now know it was a it was a patella that slipped the groove all the time. And so I'd be playing hockey and my left leg would just give out and I'd have to crawl to the bench and then I'd sit there for a shift and I'd be ready to go again. Nobody could figure it out. And, uh, and they wanted to do exploratory surgery on me and 
even at that young age, I went, you know what, surgery's for fixing, it's not for finding, so that's not <laughs> happening. And 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 I took two packs of Rolaids every day of my life, I ate two packs of Rolaids, because uh, I had just indigestion, you know, and like literally I had to have a Rolaid under my tongue to drink a beer, which makes wow. beer t- taste different, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. And, and I had this bizarre thing where if I laid back, uh, on on the floor and put my head on the floor, I immediately see double and get dizzy. And I never even told anybody about that. I just thought it was weird. And synchronistically at the same time, I uh, had went to the optometry school to get my eyes checked for the first time in life. And they found out I had monocular vision. So my right eye was turned and my my brain had stopped processing input from my right eye. Otherwise, I'd have been seeing double all the time. And I had zero depth perception. And when both eyes were open, I was 95% blind in my left eye, they told me. Wow. They said I was too old at the age of 18 to fix it, but they would put, give me these prism lenses and some exercises to do, and uh, maybe it would help. And so uh, with that, I started chiropractic care and started getting adjustments. And, you know, after about a month of care, my knee didn't hurt anymore and my headaches were gone. And after about six weeks of care, my indigestion was gone. I could eat anything and drink anything, no problem. And and then I could lay on the floor with my head on the ground and I didn't get dizzy and, and see double anymore. And, and then six months into care, I went back for a follow-up at the optometry clinic and I didn't like wearing the glasses, so I didn't wear them as often as I was supposed to. And I certainly didn't do the exercises. And, uh, and he started checking my vision out. And, and as the universe would have it, I had the, the leading authority on monocular vision in the world as my, he was the clinician at the optometry school in Waterloo where I went. I went to the University of Waterloo. And all of a sudden, he started calling all the students into the room because my eye was starting to respond and come back. And long story short, after my first year of chiropractic care, I had 20-20 vision in both eyes with both eyes open. I reclaimed my depth perception and figured out that I wasn't that clumsy kid, that there were actually little, you know, dips and and uh, and gullies and sidewalks and whatnot that I couldn't perceive as I was walking along. So, you know... That was my start in chiropractic. Wow. And I went to school with that experience behind me and a real appreciation for the power of a chiropractic adjustment to restore life and the power of a, of a, a verbal subluxation to rob people of the life that they deserve. And, and so um, everyone knows what CMCC is and it wasn't as bad back then as it is now. But nobody could take that away from me. And I had some some uh, classmates whose parents were real principal chiropractors uh, and legendary chiropractors. So I got to rub shoulders with them and, and the rest, as they say, is history. And then it just, you know, I had a, a teacher early on in my career who said, you know, don't accept anything that I teach you at face value. Take it and go out and and prove it for yourself and it'll either prove itself or disprove itself. So I, I really have been um, just in the process of proving the chiropractic principle for 33 years and it never lets me down. It always proves itself. If you, if you give it the time and space to prove itself, it always does. 
That's interesting. So in a nutshell, that that was it. And then then there's a story about my wife that just sort of galvanized it all. So we can go into that one right now if you want as well. Well, let's well, let's just finish up school first. So okay. when you're in school, um, did you become like consciously going like, okay, I need to surround myself with other people that are that are more similar? Or did you have a question or did you just kind of cruise through school or how? Oh, did, how so I cruised. So I graduated top of my class from CMCC and, and won a bunch of awards and whatnot. And I actually wrote the highest mark in the country on my Canadian board exams. Um, you know, so I think once I found my purpose and realized that God made me to be a chiropractor, everything started to become much easier. And learning wasn't a chore anymore and studying wasn't work. Mm-hmm. It was it was a passion, right? And even if it was basic science stuff or anything, I, I just had this capacity that showed up all on its own to see the innate wisdom behind everything. So if I'm studying microbiology, it's like you can see that there's an innate intelligence and a universal intelligence at work. So it just kept proving itself. I think my dog wants to go see her mom. <laughs> and, and so, you know, so really, I mean, my brothers used to call me Gene Gene the study machine because I just love reading about anything that had to do with life, right? And I, and that, and I read green books when I was in, in CMCC and I, and I did the basics and it just didn't matter. It all made sense to me just right out of the gate. And, and synchronistically, I had some great classmates whose, whose dads were chiropractors, as I said, yeah. and, um, and and I had some uh, friends in higher higher grades at CMCC whose folks were also chiropractors. They were chiropractic families, and they kind of took me under under my wing, and and um, and that was it. So there was not a lot of resistance at at that point in time. It was I we, I just explored, but just had this this uh, knack for saying well there's the principle at work and yeah there it is again and that's like this this principle is everywhere you can't get away from it right if your eyes are open to it and your heart's open to it you it's just always there and you're aware of it if you choose to shut your heart and your eyes you know you'll think it's not there but it still is Mm -hmm. now did you meet your wife at chiropractic school not so my so that story is that um my wife came into the office and uh, and came in. I think her presenting complaint was headaches and uh, and maybe some menstrual issues and whatnot. Anyways, I I did her consultation and I was finishing up her consultation and uh, and she said, you know what? If you're going to be my chiropractor, I feel like I should tell you everything. And I'm like, well, of course. And she said, so I have an eating disorder. And I said, no kidding. Right, because the fact of the matter is she was an uncontrolled bulimic and she weighed 83 pounds when she was sitting there in front of me. So very obviously had an eating disorder. I often joke around and said, we didn't x-ray her. I just held her up to the sun. (laughs) You know, and but long story short, she came in and she had been to the best of the best treatment center, sick children's hospital and Toronto general hospital. And, um, was treatment resistant and she was, and she was failing, you know, and, and her parents didn't know what to do. And, they, and, uh, I mean, her mom used to sit outside her bedroom door and cry. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so 
we told her the chiropractic story and about the power that was inside her and we started adjusting her. And, that, and if you ask her about it, she will tell you that it didn't happen in one adjustment, yeah. but over a period of time, this thing just bubbled up inside her and that thing was called self-love. And, and as she got reconnected to herself through her innate, through the creator, through her innate, she just, she just, overcame the eating disorder and was able to put food in her mouth and keep it down. And, um, and so that happened. Yeah. And, and then years later, I had a, uh, a staff member um, just say, I'm done and walk out on me. And it uh, wasn't anything I did. She wasn't getting along with the other staff person. Yeah. So that was on a, I remember it was on a Thursday night and I phoned Tracy up on the Friday and I said, I always thought you'd make a great CA. You got until Sunday to, uh, to let me know if you're interested or not. And, and that was the conversation. And so <laughs> she phoned me Saturday and she was managing a travel agency. She was well set in the travel career and was good at it. And, and, and she, um, she phoned me the Saturday morning and said, I'm going to do it and, and didn't tell me at the time, but after the fact, she actually had had a dream that she was working with me. And, and so we hired her on and years went by and, uh, and eventually in eight brought us together sort of thing. So it was, again, when we look back on it, you just see the divine design and whatnot behind it all. But, you know, because of, my experience with chiropractic as a patient and because of her experience uh, with chiropractic as a patient, we're both in a place where we know that we can never give back to chiropractic what it's given us. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's why it's easy for us to dedicate our lives to the principal and to the profession and to humanity. And so the, um, the blessing in that for me is that, you know, whether I'm you know, and there's been some years where I ran a full-time practice, been the president of the regulatory college and spoken in 40 events around the world. And she just supports it. And she actually makes it all happen because she coordinates that part of my life. Great. Wow. And so when, when you kind of hired her, how long had you been in practice for? Um, great question. I'm horrible with time, but um, I'm going to say probably – Eight years or so. Eight years. Okay, yeah. cool. And and so when you started, were you like one of the prodigies that just rocked it right out of the gate, or how how did how did practice life start for you? So I I um I know in my first month in practice I made money, mm -hmm. and uh, and and so and, and I built my practice. I've never done any outside advertising. I've never done a screening in my life. Uh, I don't do marketing. I don't even have a website right now. I don't think. Um, um, so I did it, but, you know, from above down inside out. And so, um, and I had one of my classmates was a chiropractor named Becky Whitney Douglas and her father's name was Dr. John Whitney. And he was a management guy and taught, taught us some very, um, concrete principles around purpose, vision, and mission and goal setting and visualization and so that's how I did it. You know, I did it on that and a doctor's report and going out into the community and just telling the story. And so um, right from the get go, we just did a doctor's report right out of the gate. Uh, we talked about um, lifetime care right out of the gate. Um, and and um, we envisioned the practice um, 
being vibrant and filled with people and, and um, getting fantastic results for people. Uh, understanding that we don't produce the results innate does after the adjustment, but really it, it just flowed right from the get-go. And, um, and so there's obviously been a few peaks and valleys over the years and, and whatnot, but we just always adhered to that above, down, inside, out principle. And so after five years in practice, I had a comfortable practice. I see in about 230 people a week, if we want to talk numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, it was a, you know, subluxation based practice. Um, and in, in July of my, of 1990, I went to my first DE meeting. And at that DE meeting, I met Clay Thompson. I was a diversified adjuster and I met Clay and I, and I sat with Clay for about six hours. He was 82 at the time. In fact, we celebrated his 82nd birthday at that DE. And I sat and had a chat with Clay because I had questions after five years and Clay had all the answers and they made sense to me. So I went home from that DE meeting and I switched from full spine diversified to Thompson. Ah. And, uh, and I became a DE chiropractor. And, and so after that first meeting, I, uh, the fellow who took me there was a fellow named Brett Moore. And uh, a couple weeks later, Brett asked me to go to an Argonaut <laughs> football game. And I said, sure. So we went down on the Friday night. And he said, how's your practice? And I said, Steve. And I'm like, you know what? I think it's different. It, it like feels busier. And he said, oh, well, how much? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't looked at the numbers. So, <laughs> so I will. And I'll let you know. So on Monday I went in and it was, it was three weeks after DE is what it was. And I went in and uh, I looked at the numbers and I was seeing 450 people a week. So I literally doubled my practice in three weeks. So I phoned Brett up and and said, I doubled. And he said, double. And I said, yeah. He said, well, what are you doing different? And I said, I don't know. And I don't want to think about it. So I said, if it comes to me, I'll let you know. Um, you know, and Sid always talked about, don't think about it, right? And don't don't try to explain it because you'll get back in your head and that's a problem. Um, so anyway, the next day I was going fishing, up to my favorite fishing stream, a stream that I, trout stream that I've fished since I'm 16 years old. And I put a tape I had bought at DEN. It was a tape back then, Don. Yeah, I, cassette I, tapes. Yeah. Not, not, not an eight track. It was a cassette. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 half our listeners won't even know what an eight track is. Probably. Exactly. But, <laughs> but I, I put in the cassette tape and it was the friend within tape. And Sid talked about the experience he had with the cooking utensil. And he was trying to sell... Uh, wherever cooking utensils and and he had an experience where he was desperate um, and and I was by no means desperate but in Sid's experience the the his foot came through the side of his shoe when he was making a sales pitch and all of a sudden something changed and his relationship with the cooking utensil changed and he got into this love state and then it just became effortless for him to sell cooking utensils and so i knew it was that story that had created the shift in me and at that point in time i knew chiropractic in my head and i could talk about chiropractic and i could explain chiropractic and you know and i and i had a very um very good handle on all the chiropractic science and philosophy and stuff like that but at that de 
when Sid talked about his experience with the cooking utensil, chiropractic went from here and dropped into my heart. And, and then I owned it. And so I was saying this, I didn't change a thing. Uh, you know, I changed my analysis and whatnot, but I didn't change how I was communicating with patients. I didn't change any of that. Um, but it was coming from a different place, right? And, mm. and if the dynamic essential, uh, as defined by Sid, is the new uh, spirit born into the consciousness of a man or woman when they become aware of, loyal to, uh, humble to, and obedient to the will of God within themselves. And so at that moment in time, I, you know, I just um, really dedicated myself to um, becoming an innately guided individual. And when you're in this state, Sid said, you know, when you're in this state where um, love is your master and, and, and you're being loved through, then you become dynamic. And that's essential. So we would now know that term as something called coherence, right. right? And so when you're in a state of coherence and all the science tells us that you literally become more self-aware and more aware of your environment, but you get this other than conscious communication uh, occurring at an optimum level. And, and so, and others, Sigafus always used to call it the fourth dimension and that's what it is. So you start working in the spirit realm and uh, and your vibration is up at a love vibration and so you become this magnetic individual in that all the things you're visualizing just are are come to you as if by magic and whatnot but it's just the way the universe is supposed to roll really and my you know i know that now but so that was that was my uh that was sort of my jumping board into practice and then the next springboard. And since that first DE meeting, I've really never looked back. And, and I, I wouldn't call myself a subluxation-based chiropractor. I think that's very limiting. I am a principal chiropractor and a, and a creation-based chiropractor because I understand that the chiropractic adjustment reconnects uh, a person to their innate. But that when that connection is solid and clear, that then opens up the person's uh, connection to universal. And that is truly the above, down, inside, out principle. And mm -hmm. that's the biggest message we can share with our people. And, uh, and if you're, and, and that doesn't mean you can't deal with things in, in, you know, lower vibrational levels as they come into your office, you have to, but you, but you can't go, it's very hard to reach up energetically, but it's very easy to reach down and pull somebody else up. Right. Now, and I'm sure you've had this question lots, and we, we work with quite a few chiropractors around the world too. And, and the thing is, a lot of students come out of school, and you, they're very much in their head. And I'm sure you've been asked this a lot. Um, they always want to know, what do, what's this funny? Because you're talking about a state of being. And, and a lot of people want to know, what do I do to get in that state of being? And, and what have you given for like advice on how to kind of shift out of the head into the heart? It's a great question. And, and uh, I have to acknowledge my wife because she's, you know, she's um, always brought it to my attention that, you know, it, like you get up there and you make it sound so easy, but you have to build a bridge for people because for some people it's not right. Yeah. And so primary one is, make sure you're under good chiropractic care and you're getting your nervous system checked and cleared out properly. Number two, 
you got to make space in your life to go into the silence. So you got to do, and for me, it's breath work. So I do a lot of breath, breath work to quiet my mind and open my heart space up. And, and number three is, is I've done, you know, um, I've worked with elders. So I've sat sweat lodges and healing circles and I've done vision quests and, and, um, you know, which are all just metaphors for the same thing, creating time and space to unplug from the third dimensional world and to go inside yourself and, and to um, enter the silence within yourself, which connects you to, uh, you know, to source. And, and so, um, so now I've got some practical tools that I can, you know, I can guide people uh, through those, those vehicles and whatnot. And, and, and we do, we do experiential workshops and things like that. Um, and, and just really getting to a, a point where you, you can make a conscious decision to become innately guided, but then you've got to take action steps to reacquaint yourself with who you really are. So it's always a journey back to self, number mm -hmm. one, right? And, it, and, and, and we all have the same capacity to develop it. We just yeah. have to find the right vehicle for us. And so for some people, it might be a sweat lodge. For other people, a vision quest. For some people, it might be breath work. For, for, and, and for me, it's like nice to have a big toolbox because, you know, some days I feel like doing breath work. Other times I'll go, you know, and I'll do a different type of meditation or, you know, for a while it was running. I used to run half marathons and, and really, um, you know, for me, so here's the, here's the takeaway from it all. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's right for you if it creates a sense of ease within yourself, right? right? If it creates tension within yourself and if it's a, you know, then, then that you're shutting that heart space down. But if it creates a ease within yourself, then you know that you're opening your heart space up. And, and, you know, I, for a lot of years, one of my favorite quotes out of the green books is from Stevenson. And he said, the existence of the innate brain is factual. Its location is theoretical. Right. So I always just accepted that and loved it because it takes chiropractic outside of the nervous system, actually. Right? Yeah. Right. But at the same time, being an upper cervically focused chiropractor, I'm like, I'm sure it's right here. It's gotta be right here. Right. Yeah. Pretty sure it's not at T6. Well, <laughs> Then I started reading about heart rate variability and doing breath work and stuff and reading about the heart brain. And I went, and I'm pretty sure now based on my experience and what I've read that the innate brain lives in the heart chakra, in the heart space. And so the beauty of that is I've worked with hundreds of people around the world and, and um, confirmed, proved it to myself, as I said earlier, that when this space is opened, people become more self-aware, which means they are connected to their innate yeah. and they become more aware of their surroundings, which means they're more fully connected to universal. And so it, now we have a practical outcome measure, if you will, saying, yes, we've opened you up and reconnected you because you're feeling this, this space and this level of ease within this heart center. Mm -hmm. and, and, and now you can use that going forward because if you feel it contracting, you know you're moving away from that, which what your innate wants you to do. 
you feel it opening up, you know you're moving towards and it becomes really, really simple. And it's like a muscle. The more you use it and trust it, the stronger it gets. Mm-hmm. Now, I was wondering if you could give me an example, possibly, unless you're like uh, an ease ninja. <laughs> but like in your life, if you've ever had a time where you've kind of got a little bit off track, and, and maybe how did you create that awareness and kind of get yourself back on track throughout your career? So I might be an ease ninja, but the only way you become one is by practicing ninja or a dis-ease ninja first, right? So, um, I, so I, I remember one specific time and it was, and I was just in a state and it was, um, it was, it was the first Tuesday after trout opener and, um, I was going up to my little trout stream, the same trout stream where, where, you know, I figured out the dynamic essential had, you know, that I had accepted it. But this particular time, it was the day before income tax was due, right? Every Canadian's favorite day. It was April 29th and, <laughs> and my taxes weren't settled yet. And, and I was, my, I was on the phone with my accountant and I was on my phone with my office manager, like, you know, I need this and I need that. And I was in a frick, it was like just occupying my space. And, and, um, and I left my home, Mississauga, and I got about an hour and 20 minute drive up to this trout stream. And it was like 22 degrees and sunny in Mississauga and driving up a cold front moved through and I got there and it was freaking snowing. <laughs> so I, and, and so then I, and so that's under my skin. And then I, I, I get my waders on and string my rod up and I, and I come down and I'm a fly fisherman and I come down to the hole where I open my trout season every year since I'm 16 years old. And there's somebody, there's a car parked up top number one, which never is like, there's somebody else on the stream. This is bad. It's my stream. Right. And, and, the, and then I come down and they're fishing the hole that I've started my trout season on for probably 20 or 30 years. And I, now I'm pissed. And then I <laughs> they're worm fishing. They're grounding worms. And I'm like, you can't put worms in my trout stream. It's a fly fishing stream. So I pick another hole and, uh, and I fire my first cast well up in a tree and I lose my fly and I'm retie and I'm like, I stomp around the guy and I go downstream and, and, and there's not a bug moving, no action. And, uh, and I'm just in my head and I'm pissed off. Right. And I've got my, I had to get back for a meeting that night. So I actually have, I don't have a watch. I have my cell phone in my waiters and it's one of those, it was like a Motorola phone. So it was like, Huge. Back yeah. then, right? uh, <laughs> if it would have fell in, I probably would have drowned. I wouldn't have been able to get up. It was so big. But I'm, I'm walking down the stream and I'm pissed and I haven't seen a rise. I haven't seen a trout turn. I haven't seen a bug. And my phone rings and I'm like, great. Who could this be? And I answer and it happens to be a patient. And she's like, I'm really sorry to bother you on your day off. And I'm like, don't, I'm like that chiropractor who went into the hair salon. Yeah. I don't worry about it. Life sucks right now. There's no fish moving. There's a guy fishing worms on my trout stream, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, it's okay. Really? I'm like the fish aren't biting. And she was like two weeks, uh, she was 38 weeks pregnant and she was getting some dizziness 
and stuff. And she's like, I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to phone my medical people. I figured I'm going to phone Dr. Peter because he always gives me good advice. So if you feel like it's something that can wait till tomorrow, then I'll just see you in the morning. But if you feel like, um, you know, I should address it, then I'll do something about it tonight. And, and we talked, I'm like, you know what, I'm feeling like it, this is okay. It feels like it's your neck and, and I, and let's address it tomorrow or I can check you when I get back, you know, tonight, maybe I'll even leave early cause it sucks so much. Anyway, so <laughs> that was that we finished our conversation and she said, and she's one of these people just had a permanent smile on her face. And she said, Dr. Peter, I'm going to send you some good energy and the fish are going to start biting. And with that hung up, stuffed my phone back in my waders, walked up in the middle of the stream, turned my head to the right and 20 yards downstream, a trout rose. And at that moment in time, I clearly heard a voice that said, Peter, you're not always with me, but I'm always with you. And I kid you not, I stood in the middle of that trout stream and I cried for probably 20 minutes and I got regrounded. And then I went down and I caught that trout and I caught a bunch more trout that day and everything turned around because your vibration and your yeah. focus creates your outcome and your reality, right? Right. And that was that, but that was a, you know, so that was a, that was a lighthearted example and whatnot, yeah. but you know, it's, it, um, it, you know, there's a, there's, there was another time where I was distracted to the other way where I was so driven about being on purpose, you know, so I'd literally get up at five in the morning and I, I'd, breathe and meditate and read green books and, and read positive thinking and do my affirmations and visualize my goals and listen to some speak on the way to the office, then adjust all morning. And then at lunch, I would meditate again and read some more and redo my goals and got to stay on purpose. Come home at the end of the night and, and got to revisit my goals, got to read some more, got, got to stay on purpose, got to stay on purpose. And, and to the point of distraction, Right. And, and really throwing my life massively out of balance because it, I was consumed by it. Yeah. Which, you know, might have served me to some degree at that point in my life. But I then looked over at my dog. Not this one, another. He was a Springer Spaniel. His name was Euchre. And I looked at Euchre and I said, that damn dog doesn't spend one iota of time working at being on purpose. He's <laughs> a dog. And he's always a dog. And that's his purpose is to be a dog. Right. So I went, I was born on purpose. Yeah. You know, and if you work too hard at being on purpose, you can actually pull yourself off purpose. <laughs> and I was doing all outside in stuff, if you think about it. Yeah. So, you know, at, I then pushed away from um, setting goals. And I just like really, I went, yeah, I went like, you know, the heck with that stuff. Um, I'm just going to be innately guided and what I need, the universe will give me. And it's, and it served me well. And now I've reached. And, and, and so what I learned from that was I was born on purpose and my mission, my, and, and, and what I've learned. And I learned it um, back in January of 1990 was that my mission in life, my purpose in life rather is to learn to love myself unconditionally and then to teach others to do the same through mm -hmm. the gift of chiropractic. And that's it, right? And it's never left me, it's always that. So, so 
Um, so the problem when we look at some of these outside-in approaches to developing purpose and vision and mission in our life is we take on somebody else's program. So right. I take on your purpose or I take on your definition of success where it's like, how many you see in Don? Okay, well, that's what I want to see then. And it's like, you know, so, so now I'm all about knowing your purpose, vision, and mission, knowing what your values and beliefs are. And I, and I teach this in a workshop as well, you know, and, it, and, it's, and it's not linear, but the way it flows is purpose, vision, mission, values, and beliefs, goals, and action steps. And that feeds itself if you line it up properly. So, so the big, but, but the key, the critical thing is, is that everything's got to come from within, right? Mm -hmm. So the key for me, you want to find, you know, I work with people. I want to learn out, figure out what my purpose is, get clarity of purpose. It's like, okay, I go inside, I take them inside themselves and we, and they find it within themselves because I believe, and it's proved itself that it was tattooed on their soul when they were loved into creation. Right. And it's true for all of us. So, so that, that reminder with my dog just really keeps me grounded in the work that I do with myself and with others to always turn it back inside, back inside, back inside. So that in times where my river of life has been class four white water, it's just very easy to go into that silence because it's become my habit. It's, be, it's where I'm most comfortable. It's where I live from, right? Which is, I think, what all of our goals are. So, so, so it really comes back to, to remembering that so we don't go on a wild goose chase, um, you know, chasing somebody else's purpose or working really hard because we've bought a program or an illusion that says, you know, you gotta work hard to stay on purpose. It's really effortless to be yourself. Right. Right. And you know, it's, it's, you know, um, but it's really difficult to maintain a facade. That's way more energy uh, expending than just being yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the level, the level after that, just to finish the, yeah. the difficulty when you become you know, when you just become comfortable being yourself is if you're attached to what people think of that, it's going to create some challenges for you. So that's the next level we have to deal with for people usually. Mm -hmm. So if, if people are interested in some of the, like the retreats you do, do you have like a website or anything or, or, or a yeah, way they can contact you? <laughs> contact us through Pure and Powerful. Uh, the, we have that website, pureandpowerful.com. And, and um, I'll just, my email, which is dr.peteramlinger at me.com and then we can give them the information i think we went uh we did a, a downsize move we moved into a condo and it was like a three-step move with with lots of moving parts yeah so i actually have to concretize some dates for some of the things we do for people but i'll get them to you as well mm -hmm. as we establish them you yeah. just know our peer and powerful is always the uh, first Saturday in November and the first Saturday in March every year. And that one's easy to remember. And then the rest <laughs> we have to work into uh, in and around D and other experiences and whatnot that we're invested in. Excellent. Now the next phase I always like to talk a little bit about is leadership. So uh, coming from that state of creating ease in your life and then being on the regulatory board, um, those are kind of sometimes can seem like opposite energies. And, and I was just wondering, how did you approach that and how did you deal with that? Great, great question. And so um, <clears throat> I, 
I, the way it happened was, um, it was at what it might've been at the first pure and powerful ever, um, or certainly the second, but I just walked in and, and Jola Marsh was uh, one of our speakers and he was on the board at the time. It was actually, it was the first PMP cause it was the first time Jola and I ever met. And, oh, wow. um, and Keith Thompson was there who was a CM, a CCO and, and a leader in Ontario chiropractic and one of my mentors. And Keith always said, you'd really be good at it. And I was just like, my heart space would just snap shut. And Jill never said a word to me about it. Yeah. But I left that meeting and it was, it was just on my heart that I needed to run for CCO. Mm-hmm. And so, so it was an innately guided decision. And I never, so, I, so what people need to know is I never set out in chiropractic to become a speaker or mm-hmm. to lead experiential weekends or to teach or to get involved in the leadership of the profession. I just wanted to adjust people and, and, um, and uh, turn on life and, and, uh, and, and uh, have a life, you know, and, and I never really thought past that. And, um, and so, you know, the speaking stuff happened first and that just happened by, you know, being asked to share the Pray to Stars at D a few times and then that evolving. And, and I believe, you know, I think, Chuck Ribley saw something in me. So I think Chuck did some behind the scenes stuff to move that along and Sigafu saw something in me and, and whatnot. Um, but, you know, I remember being at a D and, and had a thought flash that said, well, we need to, we need to do something in between D's. So we started something called wonders of chiropractic back in like 1991. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was just, we would get together a number of times a year and it was just an afternoon and it was like a pray to stars where people just got up and shared their hearts and that evolved. And that's really what pure and powerful has morphed into. Mm-hmm. And um, I just had a vision at a D that we needed to do something bigger and that's what pure and powerful was. And we, and, you know, and I remember sitting with Brett Moore again and, and I got the thought flash and, and Brett literally said, Oh, Christ, here he goes again, right? <laughs> but, you know, but so it's always been that way. And, and, um, you know, and, uh, and it's just always just flowed that way. And so when the call to, to serve on CCO came, it's just, I, I just always honor if it comes from my innate and I sit with it and I'm sure it's from my innate. I act on it. And so I, I acted on it and, um, and I got down at, at to the regulatory college in Ontario and actually found it really, really rewarding. So there was resonance with it, mm-hmm. opened my heart space up, definitely made me a better chiropractor because, you know, our focus at the regulatory colleges is to, um, regulate the profession in the public interest. So you become very patient centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I learned very quickly that I, I wasn't, even though I wanted to care for people, I was seeing everything through the lens of a chiropractor through. And once you turn it around, that actually makes you a way better chiropractor, especially if you're a principal chiropractor. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, I'm very thankful for that, you know, and, and, um, and, and then very shortly, I just found myself in a leadership position there. And then. Then I, found, you know, got involved in some national stuff because 
of my role at CCO. And then I found myself in the leadership position there as well. And I never asked for any of it. It just showed up. And, and it's, it's kind of like one of my, one of my observations is that, that, that if people go seeking leadership positions, yeah. it generally is always bad, but the true leaders just find themselves there. And it's like the, the leadership opportunity is seeking them more than they're seeking it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it really did. And, and, and really when I sit and I think about it and, and I tell people all the time, if I sat and that, thought logically about being involved in the regulatory college, the answer would be a resounding no. The sacrifice that my family has to make and that my patients have to make is huge. You know, it's, I love the work. It it fulfills me. So I'm not really sacrificing anything. I got to have an abundance of energy and and that's about chiropractic. Um, Sometimes anyways, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, but, but, there's days out of the office and so it makes my patients it makes it tougher for them it's tough on my family right and mm-hmm. but it's just where innate wants me so it all flows and fits together and you know i think i think that i have i have a lot of friends who i feel like um they they, they are so closed about it maybe because they've seen the level of commitment i've had towards it it, it, and so they don't, they won't even open their heart to the possibility, right? Which we need to change around because the problem is there's just not a lot of, and I know you have, and I, and I'm proud of you and I congratulate you for stepping up and throwing your hat in the ring um, mm-hmm. and keep doing it because there's not enough of us involved and um, a, a whole big segment of the profession is asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. And they're going to wake up one day and say, what the heck has happened to my profession? Right. And, and that's an issue. And, and I think, you know, and for me, I think what drew me to the regulatory world is that that's, you know, as advocacy groups and associations, they can have their view on chiropractic and do their stuff. But what influences what we do in our office every day is the regulatory college. So, it's the real important work that's going to protect uh, chiropractic practice so that our children's children children can can get checked for subluxation and receive an appropriate chiropractic adjustment. And I think, you know, I will say that in Canada, I think one of the issues in front of us is there's too many provinces where the regulatory college and the advocacy group are the same. They're tied together. Right. And that's just untenable. There's a, there's a different mandate for each organization. So I don't know how they can sit under the one roof and do their job properly. Right. I will make that observation. Yes. Just to hopefully wake people up. Yes, hopefully. Well, our time is zipped by really quick. Uh, we, sure we, must, we must have been in ease so that uh, we warped the time, the time continuum. So that was good. Good. <laughs> So what I always like to do is just uh, leave the last couple of minutes just for you to, to just leave some parting words of inspiration. Because again, it's called the underdog curse and a lot of chiropractors out there, they might feel like an underdog or feel a little bit burnt out or maybe a little bit lost. And, 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 uh, and you'd be a great one to ask what comes to you that you'd like to share uh, to leave people with this on the podcast. Well, and, and it's, um, you know, Maybe, uh, and, and it's, that's easy for me to sit with because I just celebrated my 33rd anniversary in, in practice. And, uh, and so I can say with, 
full faith and, and belief and knowing that we are the greatest health profession in the world and we are the answer to humanity's ills. You know, they, and, and never before in history has humanity been so disconnected from themselves. And, uh, and the most efficient, it's not the only way, but the most efficient way to reconnect the human being to themselves and to creation is the chiropractic adjustment. And, and, and if they pursue other things to, to, um, to enhance that and complement that connection, the, you know, chiropractic just fits in seamlessly and, and allows them to benefit more from those practices. So, uh, you know, and for me, I, I'm going to close with a little story about a little guy I had the honor of taking care of. And, and, and the, the thing is, it's like, I don't, I can't, I, I love my time away from the office. I love everything I do. That's how I flow through life, right? Mm -hmm. But after 33 years in practice, Sunday night, I just start thinking about getting back to the office Monday morning and getting my hands on people and interacting with people and teaching them about the principle and, and reconnecting them and adjusting them and doing all things chiropractic. And, and um, it's never been stronger in me than it is now. So, you know, we go on vacation and it's like Tracy knows that like two or three days in, somebody's going to be laying on a beach chair and I'm going to be checking them. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so, um, you know, and that's because my vision is a world free of chronic subluxation, you know, and, uh, and, and, um, and it doesn't mean I have to do it all by myself, which is why I teach and whatnot. But um, I had a little guy come in, he was six weeks old. And the reason he came into my office is because another one of my patients, flock members, um, sat in my doctor's report and heard the chiropractic story. And so this little boy was was stuck in the birth canal he was, as he was being born. And they, they pulled him out and did the best they could. But they ended up injuring his brachial plexus and evolving his phrenic nerves. So he was born with right-sided diaphragmatic hemiparesis and he couldn't oxygenate so he was blue his apgar sucked they put him on oxygen right away his respiratory rate was through the roof and um and you know that was his start in life and and um and then they figured out he can't feed properly because he can't keep anything down so he had a feeding tube put in and um to try and get some food into him. And he was in sick children's hospital like that for six weeks. And, and um, they didn't know what to do with him at sick kids. And he was struggling and he was underweight and he could only get two ounces of, of food into him and he puked most of it up. And uh, his right arm was paralyzed. And, and they basically said, as he grows, the left diaphragm is going to really overpower and distort and twist his posture up. And, he's going to have significant challenges and all we can think to do is placate his diaphragm, pull it down and pin it in place. And, and, but we don't even know what that'll do for him. So mom said, I'm not doing that. And they said, well, then we're going to discharge him and we'll set you up with home care. And, um, that was it, yeah. you know? And, uh, so, uh, uh, my patient who had heard the story said, here's what you need to know. Your child's ability to heal is far greater than you've been led to believe. There's this thing called a subluxation that many children are born with. 
chiropractors are the profession you look for it and correct it. And my chiropractor sees a crap ton of kids. Maybe you should take your son to Dr. Peter and get him checked. And mom did it. And she brought him in. And I remember it was a Friday morning and we were busy like crazy. And I heard this horrible retching sound. And he was on drugs for reflux disease, which is like really just stupid, right? Yeah. And I get they were trying to help, but you know, how can that help an anatomical situation, right? Yeah, totally. So, um, so, and and he comes in the room and he's retching and he's breathing really fast and he's not his colors off and his arms hanging limp, limp and his feeding tubes hanging out. And I only know how to do one thing, and that's to check people for subluxations. And I get a reading on his neck, and, his, and he's got a temperature pattern, and his right leg's pulling up like an inch and a half short. And it's the most massive atlas subluxation I've ever, you know, um, appreciated in my life. And it was a right atlas, and I took him and I adjusted him, and immediately he went into a state of ease. And it was Friday, and I said, bring him back Monday, come for the doctor's report, and we'll lay out a care plan for him. And mom came back on Monday, and I said, how'd the weekend go? I said, well, he stopped throwing up, so we took him off the drugs. Great. And, and we did the doctor's report, and they committed to care, and we, and we kept checking him. And two weeks after starting care, he pulled the feeding tube out, and the, the home care nurse came and said, well... Because he doesn't need that anymore, and he was feeding more and keeping it down. And four weeks into care, I went. I just put my hands on his belly and said, "You know what? I'm feeling movement on the right side." Mm-hmm. And and mom said, "I think I am too." And and he happened to have a follow up ultrasound. And after four or six weeks of chiropractic care, and it took a long time and a lot of adjustments to really stabilize him. I, I'm not shy about that. But after four or six weeks of chiropractic care at three times a week, they did the ultrasound and it showed perfect diaphragmatic excursion. Wow. And perfect synchronicity left side versus right side. And, you know, his blood gases were normal. And off he went and he caught up on all his milestones and uh, and he walked on time. And, and now he's a vibrant crazy little boy. I have a picture of him as a, as a, a Tim bit hockey player in my office. He brought it in cause he wanted me to have it. And, cool. um, and, and that's the power of chiropractic. And I can't explain what happened inside his body. You know, mm-hmm. I don't even think, you know, John Minardi or, or uh, chestnut or hall or any of those guys could explain, but I know when we remove the interference, he healed up. That's all I know. Right. And uh, and that his innate potential is able to express itself when we remove the plug. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so so um, and that's great. Right. And I could hang my hat up and say just having that having to experience that under my hand is good enough for anyone's career. Right. If I could sit with that and take it to the bank, Don. But I lay in bed at night and I think about the millions of children around the world laying on cots of sickness and death yep. who are in Michael's state that haven't been checked yet. Right. Right. And, uh, and how their life is suffering. And I think about what their parents are going through. And I think about the burden on our healthcare system, mm. not, and they're getting great medical care. I'm not banging the medical profession here at all. They, they did great work, but 
they don't know how to find subluxations and correct them, and it's time our profession stands up and reclaims that and professes it in a professional and ethical manner in a masterful way yeah. because humanity needs us. So I think about the people we haven't yet got to. Yeah. And so we need to band together and help elevate our game so we can reach more people. Mm-hmm. And you never know chiropractors out there when little Michael is going to walk through your office door on a busy Friday morning and it's going to be your time. And if you got your head up your ass, are you going to be able to answer the call? Right? So it's like, you think about Michael, you think about all the Michaels who haven't been checked yet. And, and then you check yourself and realize that we've got a tremendous gift to share with humanity, but with that gift comes a tremendous responsibility and know that if you're sitting here listening to this, just as I was called to be a chiropractor, when I read the definition of chiropractic, you were be called to be a chiropractor too, whenever you got your call and, and you gotta be in for the long game. And if there's anybody who needs my help, have them reach out to me and I'd be happy to help them. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Don. It was fun. And everyone out there, uh, you know, I think my biggest thing is creating ease in your life, right? So as I always like to end every podcast with, get out there and crush the curse, but I'm going to add the end part on there with ease. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.